You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. The rock won't move, and that rock is Jesus Christ. We're going to see that again in our text today. So uh, take your Bibles as we get back into our our series, The Rock Won't Move. 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 13 to 25. And our message today is entitled, Be Subject to One. Be Subject to One. You know, in Canada, we like to talk about certain things. We, we love to talk about the weather and uh, the first little snow flurry. We're all discombobulated and, and I wonder if we're going to make it through the winter. And everybody always talks about the weather in Canada. And if we're not talking about the weather, we are talking about hockey. And uh, that's another thing. We just, we're kind of about that. We love to talk about those things. And, and we love to complain. And we love to complain about our government and officials. And today in the text, we want to learn some things I hope that are going to be helpful for us as a church as, as Peter deals with uh, some of that as uh, he's writing to these folks and uh, encouraging them. Um, we find it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. And I believe you've got your Bibles open now. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. Listen as I read uh, 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and you're beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He was reviled. He did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the clarity that uh, Peter writes to uh, these people. Father, we pray that as we consider their context and what they were going through and take these verses, Lord, and See how they should examine our hearts and our lives. We pray, God, that you would do a work in this place that we would explain, God, you did it. Father, we pray that you give us ears to hear your word and minds, God, that we might understand, but then hearts, God, that we would faithfully live out, not to us, but to your name be the glory. So do your work in your way for your fame, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can take your seats. Be subject to one. 
Well, you say, Paul, you just read the text and it tells me to be subject to emperors and governors and be subject to masters. And so how can I be subject to one? Well, that's the whole crux. The whole thing is if you've got to get subject to the right one. And the right one is, is not the emperor or the governor or the slave master, as it were, in this text. The, the right one is that we would be subject to God himself, to God Almighty. In those verses I just read, it says, be subject for the Lord's sake. Another time in the text it says, for this is the will of God. In another verse and we read it said, living as servants of God. And the last one it says, fear God. If you get the who you're to be subject to wrong, you get it all wrong and it becomes difficult for us. And so the message of today is be subject to one. So often in life we find it hard to do the right things because our eyes are on the wrong goal. And in this text, if, you're, if your goal is to be subject to an authority or, and your goal is not to be subject to God, it's so easy to get our eyes off of the main thing. And the main thing is that God would get the glory and our focus would be on him. As believers, we actually obey earthly authority to honor God's sovereign authority. Jesus never led demonstrations against Roman slavery and abuse or or justice, or, or those authorities that were unjustly tried him and crucified him. Instead, he was preoccupied with the kingdom and the things that are about the kingdom. So let's dive into our text. The first point I want to make is the focus. The first point is the focus to live. The focus to live. I want to give you a little bit of a context for uh, what uh, Peter is writing here, because um, when we get into this um, coming under those who are in authority... Uh, we think in our land and how easy it is to complain about the authorities we have over us. What, what was he talking about when, when he says um, in that first verse, when he says, be subject to every human institution. We need to remember that Roman rule is what's going on in this part of the world. In this part of the world. Uh, this is the same rule that killed Jesus uh, 30 years earlier. This is the same rule that will, by tradition, we understood, Peter died hung upside down. It's the same rule that would hang him upside down and he would die. It's the same rule that not long from this text would be burning Christians at the stake and feeding them to lions. And so when you take that and put that in the context of what you're being asked to do, in this text, consider what these people were considering when they were hearing exactly the same words. The principle, be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution, whether it be the emperor is supreme or to governors is sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Be subject comes from the Greek word that means to subordinate. For the Lord's sake, continue to come under and willingly coming under every institution. Whether it's the emperor or the governor, we come under them. Proverbs 24, 21 says, my son, fear the Lord and the king and do not join those who do otherwise. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that we're supposed to be subject to people who are over us, who aren't leading us in a way that we, we certainly as Christians wish they would? 
context, think about what they were being asked to do. And the answer to that is yes, absolutely it is yes. Well, well, when do we have the authority to say no? When is it okay for me to say, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to support what the governor or the government says? Well, in Acts chapter 4, uh, I believe uh, Pastor Mike referred to this text um, last week. Um, Acts chapter 4, verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Okay, so when you, you get pulled before the authorities and they tell you, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. Here's what he says. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Interesting how he handled that, which was masterful. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Old. And so this uh, healing had happened. They'd been pulled in and they were told, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, um, whether you judge us on that or God judges us on that, like, we're going to let you kind of take care of that. But when it comes to talking about Jesus, we got to talk about Jesus. When, when somebody tells you, I'm not talking about in your workplace when you're supposed to be working, I'm talking about in our context of our society that you can't talk about Jesus then with the right heart and with the right motive, we must talk about Jesus. But then we must be willing to pay the consequences that will go with it. And Paul did, and and Peter did, and and the, the followers of Christ did. But we're told in this text that we are to be subject to those who are over us. And we're told that we are to honor them. And you only disobey when you are being told to do something that goes directly in opposition to what God's word says, like, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Well, what about peaceful protest? Because this wasn't a democracy. Uh, We live in a democracy. Somebody came and asked me that question after the last service was a great question. Are are we allowed to protest? Are we allowed to? Yeah, our, our system allows for that. It's not wrong to protest within the law. But it's wrong when we go outside of the law to protest. And lots of Christians have done that. And I think we need to really think our motives through and our hearts through and the why we would want to do that. And hey, Jesus could have stood up and and made some pretty strong statements about a lot of things. He chose to be about the kingdom. He chose to be about God. He chose for us, he chose for us to be about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. Is it okay to protest within the law? Yes, it is. But don't step over the line. And we need to be careful. And we need to consider what the motive is for what we're doing and keeping the main things, the main things. I, I think about our church and we try to be about the four pillars and the three W's. There are all kinds of other things that compete for our time and our energy, but we keep coming back to, we want to be about the four pillars. We want to be about the three W's. And in our walk with Jesus Christ, we want to be about him and Christ crucified. And if God puts on your heart to do something, 
then you do it within the law because we're told to honor, honor those who are in authority over us. You, you, mean, you mean, Pastor Paul, that I'm supposed to honor Frank Scarpitti, the new mayor, not the new, he's re- repeated again and again and again, a mayor of Markham. He's been here forever. Yeah, you are. You are. And you may disagree with him on some things, but it's not a mistake that he is here. Really? Yeah. Keep your finger in First Peter and flip over to Romans. Romans chapter 13. Starting at verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to conduct to, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his, his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor supreme or to the governors. Okay, well, I like Frank Scarpitti, or I don't live in this town. I, I live in Toronto, and, and we have a new mayor there. His name is uh, uh, John Tory, and, and I think he's going to be better than the last guy. By the way, I complained a lot about the last guy, um, but the new guy, you know, maybe he'll be okay. So it doesn't matter. You honor, and you come under, and you be subject to them. See, so often, I believe, Christians in the political community have come across as being so harsh and so hard and so truth-driven that we haven't demonstrated to love to people that we are told by God to give honor to. Kathleen Wynne, the premier of our province, has a lifestyle to be diametrically opposed to what we believe God's word says. Do I have to honor her? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. In her role, in the position that she has, we have a responsibility to love her and to pray for her and to encourage her and to come under in subjection in the role that she has She's not there by mistake. It's not a fluke. What about the prime minister of our country? Well, some people believe he's a Christian. I don't know him well enough to know whether he is or not. So, well, that would be an easy one. Well, why do you complain so much then? You see, here's the indictment I think that's on the church today and, and on me. I can't speak for you, but on me is I find it so easy to complain. I find it so easy to say negative things about the people that God's word says he put them there. We need to honor them. We need to come under them. 
Honor and obey are not the same things. Just like for children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. It's not the same word. It's a different thing. And there comes a time when we must, because of God's word, we must make our stand and we won't obey. And we'll live with the consequences of that. But we must always honor that person who was there. That's what God's word, that's what God's word tells us. The practice. How does this work out? Verses 16 and 17. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom in Christ as a cover-up for evil. But living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Really? Everyone? You haven't met my neighbor. Honor Everyone, love the brotherhood. Uh, Those are the people who are in the room. The followers of Jesus Christ. Really? That guy's obnoxious. Honor him. Because God says to. Because God's word is clear about it. Honor the emperor. Honor the governor. They're sent to punish those who do evil and reward those who do good. I think you'd extrapolate that down. Honor the police chief. Honor the police officer. Uh, They're not there by mistake. They're sent from God. You're like, you're really messing up my discussions with people at the workplace. I just love complaining about these people. Well, you're not honoring the Lord then. Because the subject to one is really under Jesus Christ Be subject and honor and love the brotherhood, especially the brotherhood that people would see the love of Christ that is in us. If that weren't tough enough, he goes on and in verse 18, he he goes to another principle. He says, servants, slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Is, is, Paul, is Peter in this text saying a slavery is all right? No, he's not. He's not condoning it. He's not encouraging it. Nowhere in the New Testament does, do they ever defend it. The reality, Peter's writing to the reality of what people were living. And some of those people that he's writing to were slaves under slave masters. And he's writing to them, what do I do in my context? He's not condoning it. He's not encouraging it. He says, this is the way it is. And he says to them, you do the same thing. Um, You have to honor. Now, a footnote. Slavery that he's writing about is not the same as we think about of slavery that uh, we would have found in the 17th to 19th century in North America. It's not like that. But it's also just not like you and your employer at work. Some people like to go, this is more like an employee-employer relationship. No, it's not. It's not that extreme either. Um, But in the context of slavery there, they had uh, bond servants, and they usually worked, and they were paid for what they did. And sometimes they could even purchase back their freedom, and a bond servant was relieved. He could be considered a freed man, a free man, Um, They would often continue to work for that same person after they were freed. But it wasn't like that for everybody. And so in the text, he says, servants, 
Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. And so he sets the bar way up high. And for us, the bar is almost out of sight because... I don't imagine anybody in this room is living in that kind of a situation. If you are, you need to let us know because it's against the law and we're going to help get that taken care of. But the bar is way up here. And he's saying, even if it's like that, you need to be subject. You need to honor. Your workplace environment might be hard, but it's probably not like that. But even in your workplace environment, we're told to honor, be subject, come under. Uh, Followers of Jesus Christ should be the best employees of anybody anywhere. Because we're willing to, if we need to suffer a little bit, we're willing to do it for the fame of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to pack it in. I'm not going to bad mouth. I'm not going to, I'm going to honor. I'm going to be Subject. And you're sitting there going, man, I wish I'd stayed home this morning. You're not making me feel very comfortable, Pastor. I'm just telling you what Peter wrote. I'm just telling you what he said. And I'm just telling you I've been guilty of some of the very things I've talked about today and the things that I've said about people who are in authority and the attitudes that I have had. And and God help us that we would be a step, not one step, but five steps above what the world is doing and we would demonstrate what Jesus Christ would do and how he would do it. The practice, verse 19 and 24, this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't badmouth. You don't backbite. Even if it's injust, you just, you be faithful. You be faithful. You be faithful. Now, if they're breaking the law, they call the police. But in the context of what we're doing, Lord, give us patience. Give us endurance. Give us stability. Give us a passion. For what credit is it if when you sin and you are beaten for it, you endure? He's not condoning beating. He's talking about what they go through. And he goes, if you're a knucklehead and you're a slave and you get beaten for it, you're kind of getting what you deserve. That's not really the point that he's trying to make. The point he's trying to make is the but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And when you're abused, abused, when you're mistreated in your workplace or at your school because of your stand for Jesus Christ and you find yourself having to suffer even though what you're doing is righteous and honorable to the Lord, he's saying, when you do good and suffer for it, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And that's what God wants from us and what he desires from us. And So we come to the end of verse 20 and we're feeling a little bit beaten up and we say, but I don't want to. I I don't want to do that. I I don't want to say nice things about the government. 
I don't want to come under in my employment. I don't want to. Well, here's the example to follow. Look at the rest of the text. For to this you have been called. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. In whose steps? In the Lord Jesus Christ's steps. Uh, John MacArthur makes three great statements about kind of about this text, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the example we are to follow. He says these three statements. Um, He was the believer's perfect standard for suffering. He was their perfect substitute in suffering and became their perfect shepherd through suffering. I'll say that again for you. He was the believer's perfect standard for suffering, the perfect substitute in suffering, and became the perfect shepherd through suffering. Verse 22 says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. The perfect standard for suffering. Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb. The requirement of the law was that the lamb had to be spotless. The lamb had to be perfect. The one that was the best one you had, no blemish, that was the one. When you say, I don't want to, to the things God's word calls you to do, you think about the perfect sacrifice and what he did for you. And when you say, I don't want to, Consider what the Lord did for you. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. A quote out of Isaiah 53, he was the perfect sacrifice. Purity was the standard. I don't meet the standard. You don't meet the standard. No one ever has met the standard except the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the one who met the standard. He was the perfect standard for suffering. Verse 23 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Verse 23 goes on and says, when he was threatened, he did not, when he, excuse me, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Oh, God, help me in this area. How do you do when somebody brings a charge against you, uh, especially a false charge against you? When Jesus was reviled, think about the night of his trials and what he is going through, and it's a bogus court all the way around. The thing was wrong. He was reviled, and he did not he did not speak harshly. I would, want, I would want justice. I would want vengeance. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And when he suffered, he didn't threaten. And yet we get up against things and we lash out so quickly. 
I don't want to come under. I, I, don't, I don't want to not talk negatively about our government. I don't want to. Look what Jesus did. To this you have been called. I have a lot to learn. And verse 24 just kind of knocks the ball right out of the park. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. The next time you find yourself thinking or saying or doing the I don't want to, let your mind go back to this verse and what we have been called to and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. He himself bore my sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Shame on me. I have it so good. We got it all tucked in so neatly and yet we complain so much and we're so harsh about so many things. Hey church, we've been called to this. We've been called to be examples. We've been called to be models. We've been called to be faithful. We've been called, why? Because of what Jesus Christ did for us. What did he do? He himself Lord Jesus Christ didn't pan off the sacrifice that needed to be made onto anyone else. He, he himself, God himself, bore your sin, bore my sin. He himself took all of our sin on himself. He himself bore our sin in his body. There, there had to be a payment. There had to be a sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. That was the way God set it up. And the right and righteous and perfect lamb of God had to suffer for us. He himself bore our sin in his body. They hung him on a tree. They, they drove the nails through his hands and through his feet. And he suffered because he was bearing your sin and bearing my sin. But I don't want to. On the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. I was eight years old. You already know that. I was eight years old when I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Some of you, your story is very different. Some of you, it's in the last few weeks you've trusted Christ. And some of you are still one day are going to trust Christ. But the day I put my faith in Jesus Christ, he bore all of my sin. I was eight years old. That was a long time ago. And there's been a lot of sin that's been committed since then. And so all that sin that happened before I was eight years old, he bore it in his body on the tree. And every sin I've ever committed since that day up until now, in his body, he bore my sin on the tree. And because of the finished work of Christ, every sin I will ever commit from now until I get to heaven, he bore my sin in his body on the tree all of my sin, 
placed on him. All of it. And all of his righteousness put on me. That's awesome. What God has done for us, it's incredible. He took the weight of all my sin and he put it on on Jesus Christ and all of Christ's righteousness is put on me. All I get to bring is filthy rags and he gives me the righteousness of Christ in me. But I don't want to. Shame on us. And shame on me. When I'm so wrapped up in what I want and my comfort and the things I think I need and I disrespect the Lord Jesus Christ and I don't bring honor to him and I don't even subject myself to the one who gave his life so I could have eternal life. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. I'm going to stand before God and with great confidence when he says, well, why should I let you into my heaven? I'm going to say, because of him. Because of Jesus Christ. Because of what he did. Because of what he accomplished. Because he took all of my sin and all of my sorrow. He took it all and he gave me his righteousness. God, I have no right. I have no, there's nothing in me that should allow me to stand here. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, I have been healed. I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ when I was eight years old. And some of you, your stories are very different. And there's some in the room and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this text isn't really so much about coming under government authority or even the way you're treated in a workplace or in a slavery thing in their setting. This is really about who is Jesus in your life. And the question this morning is, have you ever trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? See, we don't live for this world. We live for what's to come. Our real citizenship is what's coming, but we are called to live where we live right now. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you need to just read that verse. That he himself, he bore your sin. It's none righteous, no, not one. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree. And what do you have to do? Believe. That's all. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift that comes from God. He did it all. He gave it. The gift. He's given it to us All we have to do is receive. Receive the gift, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You don't have to get offering envelopes. You don't have to serve. You don't have to have it all figured out. You have to understand who Jesus is and what he did and believe and you will be saved. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that today. You can do that right where you sit. There's no special words, no fancy things. It's understanding I messed up. There's nothing I can do to fix it. Jesus fixed it. I'm trusting him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Well, so what? So what? Verse 25 says, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer 
of your souls. See, when you get to the place of I don't want to about whatever it is God calls you to in your life, something about an area of obedience in your life and, and you don't want to do it. Maybe it's um, you've never been baptized and you're just, I just don't want to do that or it's something you need to give up and stop doing and you're just like, I'm not going to do that. I just don't want to do that or, or maybe it's about faithfulness and giving. You're like, I'm not going to do that. And it's all of those things. It's just kind of, I, I'm not going to treat my wife the way I should. And What you're saying is Jesus wasn't enough. What Jesus Christ did for you when he bore all of that for you. See, we're not to be, to be subject is not to all of those things. We're subject to those things because we're subject to Christ. That's the focus. And when you get the subject to him right, the other things start to make sense to you. But they won't as long as they are the thing on the throne. Hey, I'm going to announce in just a couple of minutes we're going to be away next week, but back, and then we're getting into the next text, and it's about marriage. That'll be a great week. And, and the message title is something like this. Um, who's on the throne? Hey, ladies, in your marriage, who's on the throne? Hey, man, in your marriage, who's on the throne? God is. God is. And when you get Jesus Christ right and what he's done for you, just like how you'll treat the people in the government and just how you'll treat the people who are over you in authority and and just how you'll treat your spouse, it'll all come into perspective because God is on the throne. You are straying like sheep. You're all over the place. But now we've returned to the shepherd or the pastor, the Lord Jesus Christ in this context, the overseer or the bishop, of your souls. In that verse, he says, you have returned. The word is to repent. You were going this way. You understood that was the wrong way. It was leading to nothing but destruction. You believed. You had a change of heart and a change of mind, and you moved in a new direction in Jesus Christ. And you have returned. And the practical for us today, some of us in our attitudes about some things, we need to return. We need to get some things right. We, we, we need to stop saying the kind of things we've been saying about municipal leaders and government authorities and the prime minister and the premier and because we're not the example of Jesus Christ at all. Some of us in the workplace, when the stories come up, we're just too eager to jump in and become part of the story instead of being separate from those things so that people would see Christ in us by the fact we don't even get involved in those things. Because I'm going to be subject to one, the one who bore, his, bore my sin in his body on the tree, that I might die to sin and live to righteousness. Subject to one today. Subject to the Lord Jesus Christ in every area for his fame and for his glory. Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word. We thank you for it. Not necessarily a comfortable text to look at. We have seen some things maybe that our attitudes haven't been right and we need to confess those things. We need to repent of those things. We need to turn from those things. We need to make decisions to do things differently as we leave this place. But you're the great God who loves us and forgives us and restores us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that confidence. Lord, we've been called to this. We've been called to set the example. We've been called to go the extra mile. 
but not in our strength, but because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So God, do your work in your way, in each heart in this place for your fame and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.